gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard the Financial Independence Podcast. G'day, and welcome to another episode of Captain Fire, the Financial Independence Podcast, where I open the cockpit to some of the best and brightest in personal finance, as well as those who have reached or are on their way to financial independence. Before we get started, remember, nothing said here is financial advice, and you should always do your own independent research before making any financial choices. With that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode and learn something new. This podcast is brought to you by the best portfolio tracking tool for Aussie investors. ShareSite makes it incredibly simple to track your portfolio with automatic updates of share purchases and dividends, easy-to-read graphs, and comprehensive tax and performance reporting, all wrapped up in an easy-to-use cloud-based system. For users with fewer than 10 holdings, it is completely free, and I even used the free version for years. Head over to captainfire.com forward slash ShareSite dash review to see if ShareSite is for you. Captain Fire listeners can score themselves four months of ShareSite Premium for free by using the bonus signup code in the article. If you do ever decide to hold more than 10 stocks, be sure to use this code to get your first four months for free. Even if you do only plan to use the free version, using the code means if you ever do upgrade, you'll still get your four months for free. Ditch the Excel spreadsheet and complete your tax with a click of a button by signing up today. That's captainfire.com forward slash ShareSite dash review for your four free months. G'day. On the pod today, we welcome back Matt Rad from the eBusiness Institute. This podcast is the first in a series of three pods where we unpack a huge series of listener Q&As. So tune in for part one of our Q&A session and watch this space for the following two pods with even more listener questions answered. Matt and Liz were biologists who completely changed their lives after buying a bricks and mortar business and getting a bit of a rude shock when the business was a lot more challenging than expected and perhaps sold with some overly optimistic bookkeeping. But they knuckled down and made it work. Eventually, they sold this first business and they end up buying another, in the process developing their due diligence skills. This ultimately led them into a career in corporate mergers and acquisitions. So Matt and Liz worked in M&A for some really interesting projects including increasingly more and more online businesses, websites. These websites made money for their owners, investors, and shareholders in many different ways, such as by selling online products, memberships, hosting paid directories, display advertising, and even affiliate marketing. After seeing these possibilities, and literally the billions of dollars being thrown around in the online industry, Matt and Liz began building launching and buying many successful online businesses. And this actually allowed them to reach financial independence as successful digital entrepreneurs over a decade ago. So these days, they run a thriving training institution called the eBusiness Institute, where they teach and mentor their students on how to do exactly the same thing, create online business for passive income. G'day, Matt. How are you going? Very well. Thanks, Captain Fire. It's great to be back on again. Oh, it's awesome to chat. I get a lot out of our monthly sessions. We're going over the the website stuff. And now it's cool because we were talking during one of my strategy sessions about just the investing landscape at the moment. 
obviously my passion site here, Captain Fire, you've helped me a lot in planning my content and planning, improving the user experience for people that are reading and listening on the podcast. And so obviously we have that in common is that you also are quite into investing and financial independence. And this just popped up organically. We thought, oh, why don't we do a bit of a Q&A session? And I know that the readers are always super interested and the listeners are always super interested to to hear from people with the expertise. So yeah, let's roll into it. We've got like over 50 questions here. I don't think I, we're going to be able to get through it all in one. I know. You're right. It was good, wasn't it? And I want to reiterate it to Captain Fire. I've been, as you've been also looking around the fire movement and it's really interesting seeing everyone's comments and particularly in the current marketplace and investing a situation out there. I just thought, same as you, let's do a bit of an update with what we're seeing happening out there because we do come from a very unique, when I say we, I say my wife and I, Liz, we come from a very unique background of buying and selling all sorts of businesses over the last 30 years. And so right at the coalface of what's happening in terms of, I guess, entrepreneurial businesses being bought and sold and the sort of people we work with, it's a very interesting space at the moment. Yeah, and that's a lot of experience that you have pretty much translates directly into, we talk about the fine movement, because at the end of the day, we're not buying three-letter ticker off of the share market, VAS or A200, whatever. We're buying real businesses. And those businesses just happen to be quite big, publicly listed. They operate on pretty much the same principle as any business. So those skills are really important. So look, we've got a a couple of topic clusters. So we've got some stuff about business. We've got some questions about finance and investing and then we have some more sort of mindset financial independence mindset and post-fire fire life mm-hmm. i think what i'm going to do and for anyone who's listening what we're planning to do is we're going to answer as many questions as we can and i've got a really fantastic editor who's going to fix up all my mistakes and it's going to stitch these together <laughs> for yeah. us cool. um, and so i think it might end up having to be a couple of episodes so look with that being said let's roll in you're ready to go matt awesome okay. sure am looking so, forward to it This is one that always comes up and I know you've already answered this a couple of times. So why don't we get it straight from the horse's mouth? Matt, how did you and Liz discover online businesses? Yeah, or buying and selling of them in particular, because I think that's pretty unique. 10 years ago when we started this, the way we discovered it was because our background is as young entrepreneurs, we bought and sold bricks and mortar businesses. And it was really hard because you've got a lot of money on the line, particularly as those businesses grow significantly. We had manufacturing businesses, which revolved around physical inventory or spare parts was one of our manufacturing businesses. And what that means is as the business grows, it gets more successful, it gets even harder because you're putting more and more money into stock in a warehouse somewhere. So how did we discover the online space is... Over the years of buying and selling many businesses and we hung out with lots of mentors of ours and doing it professionally as well, selling businesses to high net worth investors, we were always looking at what's the perfect business model because we knew we were always hamstrung by money. Having to constantly put more money into a business as it grew and always going to the bank and being on the line. And we don't mind saying we nearly went bankrupt a couple of times, pretty scary moments there. But when you're young, you don't care. But we had kids coming along and we were always looking for the ideal business model. And we started seeing and dabbling around with internet and making money online. Actually back in, it was around 2007, 
And then we got serious about it when our daughter was born and Liz just wanted to work from home and raise our daughter and we wanted to set up something alternative for us. And Liz just said to me one day, why don't we just do what we did with bricks and mortar businesses, which is buy up websites and build up a portfolio of these assets because we could see that they make money and they were just like bricks and mortar businesses, but we found them to be a lot easier because the reason I was harping on about physical inventory, with the sort of websites that we buy, we have no physical inventory. These are not e-commerce sites. They are literally just websites that sell advertising space. So for us, they were the ultimate business model that we'd ever seen. It was the best thing since sliced bread, I think. So for us, we were lucky in that because we had so much experience buying and selling traditional businesses. What we did online was very easy. So we loved it. Yeah, it's been pretty awesome for me to discover. And those words are music to my ear. <laughs> no inventory and low overheads. Yep, no, Some- no overheads. And I think too, for us in, in their day, it's a lot easier now to buy websites and what it used to be as Captain Fi. Back when we were doing it, Flipper didn't even exist, which is a platform where you can buy and sell websites. We did exactly what we did with bricks and mortar businesses, which is virtual door knocking. We just go around and approach website owners and see if they wanted to sell. And we pick certain niches that we wanted to be involved in. And we literally bought up lots and lots of websites and had multiple websites in several niches. So we were diversified. And I guess it's like, what a lot of your listeners might be doing with shares, we would do the same with websites. But it's more like owning a portfolio of properties because we'd buy them, fix them up and keep them for the cash flow. Now that is a perfect segue to the next question which is asked is why a portfolio? And obviously I have my opinions on portfolios being like the only free lunch you get yep. in terms of diversification, risk in terms of like risk management for, for shares and that kind of stuff. But is diversification and portfolio principles, is that the same when it comes to online businesses? Absolutely, yeah. It really does give you safety out there, particularly as you're learning as well. So you've got to learn how all this stuff works. And like you said earlier, these are little mini businesses. Okay, they're very high cash flow. They're, I guess when you're starting out, they tend to be semi-passive. And on the surface, they look perfect. But as we all know, not everything's perfect. I look at the share market at the moment. That's dropped 30 odd percent. And some people are saying it's going to drop a lot further, whatever. With these Whilst they're little mini businesses, they're very high cash flow, sometimes some of them will have problems, particularly as you're a beginner when you first buy sites, they're not going to be perfect. Think of your own journey there, Captain Fi. There's a lot to learn and you're fixing them up. So not every website works perfectly. And like the portfolio theory shows us, it's the 80-20 rule. Two out of every 10 websites are going to be your massive winners and they will probably make you 80% of your income. About five or so out of the 10 will do okay. And then there'll be what, another two to three out of the 10 that won't do so well. And it's funny over all, we've been doing this now since I think we bought our first site or we built our first website in 2008 and that didn't work particularly well at first. So that's only one website. So once we started buying websites, which we did the next year in 2009, we suddenly realized we could own this portfolio of sites. If some didn't do as well, it didn't matter. But we certainly found there were always 20% of them generated 80% of the income. And the other thing is too, there's these things called Google updates and different niches will trend at different times. So having that 
portfolio was a beautiful thing for us. Liz and I have always been drawn towards a portfolio. We've always owned, you know, multiple businesses or multiple shares or even when we did the property thing, we always wanted to own a portfolio of properties because all our mentors had always said to us, diversification, if one goes down, the other's carry you through and we also liked back then too when we were learning off a bunch of different people that were hanging around thinking was multiple streams of income as well and we love that for websites we we saw very quickly just how powerful that can be so it's interesting captain fires not just a portfolio for safety reasons like the classic portfolio strategy, it's also that it gives you multiple streams of income. And we love this idea of having those multiple streams of income so that then we had the time and freedom to do what we wanted in our lives, which at the time was raise our kids. Yeah, I totally relate to that. The last two bits you said particularly, because yeah, it's certainly been a journey for me. I obviously started out with the aviation site, then growing Captain Fire and then starting my third batch and then the fourth batch and it all got a bit carried away there and ended up with about 20 websites at one point. Yep, yep. Uh, there were some really good winners in there and managed to get some good income from some of them. And I've noticed, so I've lost a contract or an affiliate or the traffic is reducing on one site. I've been able to be propped up a little bit by the other sites, the other larger sites. And yeah, having upgraded to things like Mediavine and getting some more regular, stable um advertising revenue coming in has been great and i've been able to use that to prop up the content plans for the other sites but i'm probably getting a bit in too much detail here <laughs> for well, the well think question. too on the practical level right for you and this is going to apply for your listeners and it's certainly applied for liz and i and anyone starting out online your question is you know why a portfolio the, the answer to that is because you can because they're a lot cheaper to get into. So with bricks and mortar businesses, and you're talking hundreds of thousands to millions, same as property, at some point you're going to max out with the banks, right? With these, we can buy little tiny high cash flow sites anywhere from a couple of thousand bucks to five grand to 20 grand to 50 grand. And within that, we can create a massively successful portfolio for relatively lower capital than what you would with either traditional bricks and mortar or traditional real estate portfolios. So that's the other reason I think so many people or why it makes so much sense. Now, you and I know the portfolio that you created. Really, when you think about it, Captain Fuzz, with very little money that you created that portfolio. And yet, uh, yeah, this most- diverse range of safe, you got the diversity or the safety of a portfolio out of it. So it's the perfect situation. Yeah, I was very fortunate in that I sort of built one and I sort of (laughs) half half built one and it was going okay but was limping along. Ended up buying one and then, yeah, after we did all the renos and the strategy sessions, really managed to get it going, which was awesome. And, yeah, that's right. The cost was very minimal. I think even the overheads for running – well, at the moment I've got 17 sites – and yep. the cost overheads for running 17 is very similar to running one or two. Absolutely. It's, there's really not a lot in it. So this is another thing that comes up. It's the physical versus the online business. There seems to be a bit of fear around it and people are like, oh, how could you make money from a website? And I say, well, how do people make money from an Instagram account? But influencers still do it, don't they? Like the travel yep. bloggers and that. Absolutely. Yeah, fashion and all that. But So just on that, people don't realize that they're a legitimate real company. And you talked a little bit about the differences, but what are the main differences between physical and online businesses regarding, yeah, costs, overheads, location, 
cash flow, those kind of factors. This is going to sound unusual, but you've got to think of my background, right? So for the last 30 years, bought and sold businesses, hung out with other people who buy and sell businesses as well. That's my life. So I know it pretty well. Let's just put it that way. I honestly believe that online businesses are way safer than offline businesses, just especially if you're starting out in business. So it's funny how you said some people think, oh, how can this online business, how can they be worth anything? To me, they are heap safer than buying a physical business. Why? There's no costs. When I say no, there, there is definitely cost, but the costs and overheads are very minimal. They're totally location independent. Like you can't just carry around a manufacturing business with you and set up in Thailand for six months or whatever. Whereas we've got heaps of clients that do that. You can go and check them out. We've got a bunch of clients who travel around literally living the laptop lifestyle. Yeah, I literally just did that for three months over in the That's Philippines. right. You are the prime example of someone that does it. You think about it now, you are not only are you location independent, you are time independent too. You never have to work a nine to five job ever again. So think about that. That is way safer than a physical bricks and mortar business until you get to the point where it's all outsourced. There's a lot more risk involved. Even to buy a physical bricks and mortar business, just to speak to a lawyer to get the paperwork drawn up, you're talking five grand straight away. Yeah, that's, that's a just lot of talking money. to a lawyer. That's without even having to buy it. Then you start talking to the banks and you buy, you're in the hundreds of thousands into the millions pretty quickly with bricks and mortar businesses. That's very high risk for a young entrepreneur starting out these days. Whereas online, I don't ever want to touch physical inventory again. And I think I answered this question really at the beginning of the interview when I could hear my pain in the early years for Liz and I, we were constantly hamstrung by having to invest or reinvest all our profits back into physical inventory or what we call stock to further grow the business. It's very challenging as a young entrepreneur to manage that over a long period of time. And that's why traditional businesses, so I've seen thousands of businesses, done due diligences on thousands and thousands of businesses. And in my experience, most bricks and mortar businesses, and I am talking very good businesses, these are businesses that literally make the owners millions of dollars a year. These are bricks and mortar businesses. So whilst I got to see the best of the best, it still took them at least a decade to get there which is your Captain Fi, you've hung around our community, that is a long time. Yeah. Online businesses, you're getting those sorts of results within two to three years. So I just spoke to a young guy today. He bought a website for $7,500. He sold that just two years later for $550,000. So that's within two years. That generally doesn't happen. He had hardly any money. Like to grow that business, it just funded itself through the growth. That's the difference between having an online business and a physical business. I think it's just so much easier. And I want to reiterate for me personally, again, I should mention, I'm not giving financial advice here, but out of all the businesses I've seen, I see online businesses as way safer. Is it just so much easier to run and build when you know what you're doing? Okay, so when we're talking about sites and building a portfolio of sites, what kind of sites are you buying? Because there are many different types of websites and many different monetization models. What are the ones that you and Liz particularly focus on and what are the ones that you'd tell your students to focus on? Yeah, really good question. And I think it follows on from your last question. Definitely not e-commerce. So I need to clarify this. Liz and I are very passionate about 
not having businesses with lots of physical inventory in them, as you've all just heard why, because it just soaks up all your capital. So when we got online, what we were looking for and what we love about the online space, and again, why I think it's so much safer as a beginner to learn off these sorts of sites is we buy what's called content websites. And basically how we make money is we just become like, online advertisers. So we will have a website that simply answers questions about a certain topic. Say it's like dog training or like for Captain Fire, it's all about the fire movement or whatever. When you think about it, it's just all information on there. And when people visit, they can click on ads and you get paid or you recommend products and you get an affiliate commission. That is gold. There's no simpler business model than that. I think at the end of the day, that's got to be the simplest and most elegant business model we've ever seen because it's easy to grow once you've got a winner. You just keep providing more content and we obviously, we teach a whole process behind that. You don't have to be a writer yourself. You don't even have to be an expert in the subject matter. So many of our students are not experts in their subject matter. It's just the system that you use to grow those businesses are all the same. Once you've got the skill, you've got a skill for life. That's the other cool thing about these. So we definitely don't buy e-commerce sites. Now, not to say e-commerce sites can't make you a lot of money. We've got quite a few friends who've made lots and lots of money out of e-commerce sites. Just our choice is we very specifically buy content sites, which are like, think of them as like an online advertising board and you just lease the space. And sometimes we literally will just lease space for advertisers to be on there or we can sell leads off the sites. Content sites give us a lot of leeway to make money online remotely. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. Like I've dabbled a little bit and definitely through champions where you forced us to get out of our comfort zone and actually try the different strategies. I firmly was in my comfort zone on, on just content sites. And that's what I've seen the best success in my portfolio. And I think also which aligns to my values as well, being in the fire movement, being about that, trying to generate a semi-passive income with minimum stress, minimum risk. Yep. And yeah, it's a great way, especially if someone's an SME and they do have expert knowledge, or as you said, you just get a, an expert in and you pay them to write about it. So The next group of questions came through, basically, I get asked a lot about what are the different types of sites and how do they work? So I think you've perfectly just answered how does an advertising site work, like a content strategy site. I get often asked though about the affiliate sites and Mm -hmm. to me, I see them as a very similar thing, but just instead of selling the advertising space, you're selling a link or you're, yep. you're selling a lead. Would you be able to just expand on what an affiliate is and how that works? Yeah, this is a cool thing when we got online. The tech was suddenly there to be able to do this because basically it's someone that clicks on your affiliate link and I'm sure your listeners have probably heard of this. They're cookied and it can be from 24 hours up to 12 months or whatever, but basically everything online is tracked. So what happens is if you write an article about a really good dog training program that you've used. So you've got a site about training German shepherds because you're passionate about German shepherds or it's just a site that you've ended up buying. And you talk about, hey, I just found this really cool program about training dogs. I think it'd be really helpful if you're training a young German shepherd. And here's what I found. Here's the pros and cons of the program. And here's a link if you want to go and get it. And so when people click on that link, that person is cookied 
so it's a technical term, but basically it just means they're tracked. And so when they go over to the program side, if they buy that program, then you as the webmaster that referred them through will get a, a commission for that. And it's that happens in business all the time. That happens in bricks and mortar businesses all the time. People pay referral fees, but this is way more leveraged online because it works 24-7 while you sleep worldwide marketplace just done once done forever you don't have to constantly keep talking to people and referring people through to buy it can be services it can be products it can be anything really and it is such an evolved marketplace now it is way way easier than what it used to be it's very accurate the tracking and it's a very powerful and easy way of making money online you don't have to go overboard with it or anything like that but it's a beautiful, elegant way of say you want to, you are interested in physical products. Like just as you captain fly, we've got lots of clients that have very successful Amazon affiliate websites, and they will talk about certain kinds of let's say coffee machines, and they'll recommend people go over to Amazon and buy a certain model. They get an affiliate commission for that, but they don't have to invest the money buying a bunch of coffee machines and having them all sitting in a warehouse somewhere and shipping them out to a client. All they do is just say, hey, these are the ones we found that are good and they get a, an affiliate commission for it. Easy peasy. It's a really simple business model. Yeah, and actually oh, it feels weird talking about this because it's my site, but I know I remember one of the things we talked about early on in my training was monetization for my sites. And with Captain yep. Fire, one of the services, one of the tools that I used was ShareSite, which yep. was a share portfolio tracker. And honestly, like there's really, there's nothing like it. And it's free for users with under 10 holdings. So it's like a no brainer to be using this, this product. And in fact, I just did my tax for last year. I know it was a bit late, but yeah. we had other things got in the way. Yeah. And I literally just clicked a few buttons, bim, bom, bim printed out my income reports from all my dividends, printed off my CGT uh, liabilities, literally just sent it off to the accountant and all sorted. Yep. And they actually have a, an affiliate program. So ShareSite provides, I can't remember what the percentage is. It's like a, you get a it's 10 or 20% when people sign up, if they sign up to a paid version, which is if you have more than 10 shares. And so there's a fair amount of people that do sign up to that. And so I put that link on my website on Captain Fly and I have an advertisement on the podcast and mm. yeah it, it's not a huge amount of money but it ranges from a, a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand dollars a month which yep. it's awesome so that I think that right there is a perfect example of how an affiliate site can work and now that's passive income for you now so it's like you know, done once done forever once you okay there's work in setting that up but once it's set up you don't have to think about it ever again yeah and then we just passive like a, every month you get recurring income off it. You just got to keep training me on SEO so I can yep, get, those, right. get that review higher in, in Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, the next kind of sites, they're probably ones that I, I tried and didn't really have a huge amount of success in. Mm. I probably think I'm just biased because I've had some success in the affiliate and the advertising sites. But I just wanted to touch on these briefly because we did do them in the Champions program and I get asked about them a fair bit, which was what is a directory site? And how does a directory site work? Big topic. Actually, it's one of my favorite strategies, but it's not for a beginner. But it's a very powerful strategy because they take a bit to set up. Basically, a directory site just lists other businesses on there. So obviously, businesses are happy to pay to be on there if it's a good directory site. Now, these can be hugely successful if done right. 
it, they're kind of the chicken or the egg though. So in a way, you're creating a bit of a marketplace as well when you create these. So say it's a, it might be a vertical niche. Like a, a simple one would be you might have a directory site here in Australia that lists all the dentists across Australia. And they can be six and seven figure and eight figure businesses sometimes. So at our workshop, I think we showed one that had just sold for $11 million and it was a directory site listing or it's got marketplace that listed childminding facilities and sold for $11 million or whatever it was. So these can be hugely lucrative when set up right and they can be very passive once they're set up. But I do want to reiterate, it's not a beginner strategy. Like as you said, Captain Fire, it's not. Yeah, it's For a beginner, it's a lot easier just to set up an advertising or affiliate site. Honestly, that's the way I would do it if I was brand new. If you've got more skills and you know how to SEO a site, which is rank a site in the search engines, and you know a bit about the local business strategy that we also teach, then you can start to combine your skills into you know, super skills and you can have as one of your portfolio sites. So we teach a range of different strategies, as you've alluded to, and one of your portfolio sites might be, for instance, a directory site that you build up over time. Now, it takes work to build those up, but once they're set up and they start humming along, then they can be self-feeding, I guess, but they do take initial work to set up, but very lucrative if you yeah. can do it. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, so High Pages is probably Absolutely. a very well-known yep. one. And yep. I've seen they're even advertising, High Pages are even advertising on YouTube and yep. Google Ads these days. That's um, how much money there is in it. Yeah, High yeah. Pages is worth in the, over 100 mil now, I think. Um, and wow. yeah, that just started as a directory site listing tradies in the local area. There's a bunch of them as well. And I don't know if you'd classify these as purely directory sites, would you? But maybe thing even like Uber Eats, like it's literally just a directory of restaurants. It is, yeah. Yeah, and that's how they started. The best one. So here in Australia, yeah, there was some really big, very successful ones that listed all the restaurants. They've all been bought up by the big players now, like Yelp and stuff. Like typically in the tens of millions they get bought up for. And we knew some of the M&A firms that used to do those deals. And we also met some of the individuals that had built those. And that's why as we're very passionate or very excited about that strategy. It works really well but it just takes more work. And you can do it. And also at a small level, we see a lot of success at a small level directory site is typically in tourist areas. If you live in like you know Noosa, you can set up a directory site for Noosa that, that it gets all the local Noosa businesses advertising on there because when people look up Noosa, the directory site will come up with all the listings so they can because they can rank quite well or it might be all the local news or something like that. You can really go down the rabbit hole on that particular strategy that's why we teach it at a more advanced level though not for beginners it's something i want to look at re-attacking maybe next yeah. year i actually am really keen to do something in the adelaide hills like an adelaide hills directory site Beautiful. especially around yeah. gardening the wineries. And, yeah and around yeah. like produce permaculture yeah. Yeah. yeah and they will pay if you can get the site ranking then local businesses obviously will pay to list on there and basically what they do is they pay a yearly fee to be on there and it's win-win because it can be really low amount you know i need to charge them a couple hundred dollars but that can very quickly turn into a six-figure income for you as the website owner. So we've got lots and lots of examples of those, as you know, in the Champions course. Do you have a side hustle? My side hustle is websites, a form of digital real estate. If you want to learn more about this lucrative side hustle, check out my review of the eBusiness Institute and their online self-paced courses. They cover everything from total beginners right through to advanced web design and how to buy, renovate, and sell websites for profit. 
As a graduate of Matt and Liz's courses, I can't thank them enough for the valuable web skills they gave me, and now I enjoy growing my portfolio of websites for income. Captain Fly listeners can register for free access to some of these courses by signing up using the link at www.captainfly.com forward slash ebusiness dash institute dash review. Build your portfolio of digital real estate and start using websites to make money today. Okay, and now we talked a little bit about it in that last question, but the local business site strategy. So the local business site strategy is where you're essentially doing all this work on behalf of a local business to get them more leads. Would you be able to just expand on how a local business strategy would work? Yeah, it's a great way to put your digital skills as, as you're learning you can be building websites for local businesses, say like your local plumber or your local dentist or your local lawyer or whatever. You can build them a small, simple website that gets ranking in Google and you can charge for that service anywhere from two grand, three grand and maybe more. But what gets really interesting with a local business strategy is once search engine optimization, SEO, it's the same skill that we use on our portfolio sites, our more passive sites. And what you can do is it's the same team that you use. This is why it gets easier the bigger you get. So you can just have a few of those going as well and you can charge a recurring monthly fee to the local business owner to get the site ranking highly in Google. And that's worked extremely well for quite a few of our um, Champions members. So it's a really cool way to utilize your skills in another money-making way online. Again, it's independent. It's location independent. You're just working off a laptop to do this. And it's the same team that you use on your portfolio sites anyway. Yeah, and I had a, I guess, a Richard from Paramark. He yep. runs He's Paramark. He's one of our did, clients. <laughs> yeah, did, and that's actually how we connected was through yeah. through the Champions Group. We were talking about, hey, come and talk about your business and what you actually do. And And that's how um, we got Richard out out of his nine-to-five job. Yeah, and so he's... By by training him to do that strategy, that was a strategy that he really went for and he's been hugely successful with it. Yeah, and we have been chatting a little bit about, because I know he's still pursuing the the content sites, but he's basically replaced his income with the local business strategy, managing websites for local businesses in Sydney. And then whilst everything's ticking over, his content sites are growing and getting bigger and bigger. And his plan is to then transition either sell the, the words escape the agency becomes an asset in itself and the other thing with richard which is really so you gotta remember he was a total beginner online and you look at the sort of sites he makes now and like you said that's how you got introduced to us because you were one of his first clients weren't you yeah we built the aviation site together so yeah learning what we teach and now look at it <laughs> look what richard's done you just said in sydney he's got sydney clients but he doesn't live in sydney anymore He and his wife have moved to God's country up here in Queensland, the beautiful sunny coast. Yeah, actually, I've got a few friends that have moved up to Brisbane. And so I'm starting to think, I do love Adelaide, Matt, and the Adelaide Hills were always home. Yeah, As everyone's probably known, there's been a few big life changes for me recently and I don't really feel as anchored to Adelaide anymore. So might be might be having to go up to the East Coast, have a trip up to around Brisbane, North yeah. area. That's what Liz and I did when we got online. There's so many 
online entrepreneurs living up in Queensland. Why? Because what do they say? Beautiful one day, perfect the next. And Liz and I, we were the same. We used to live in southern New South Wales in the Southern Highlands in a rural area, but it was too cold. And once our website started making us lots of money, we realized, oh, we can live wherever we want. This is crazy. Why are we living down here in the cold? So we moved to Queensland as well. That was more than 10 years ago now. So... There's got to be something in it if everyone's doing it. (laughs) It it is beautiful up here. So we've got so many friends up here that we've met who are all the same. We're all from southern states, cold. And then because we all work online, we've realized, oh, we can live in Queensland. And not only that, live on the beach or something as well. It's beautiful up here. Location independence. Awesome. Do you have some questions about that, about post-fi lifestyle? Yep. But I'm going to try and smash out these ones for the last couple of segments on... Okay. Online businesses. So there's, I guess, two more strategies. One is the premium content or a subscription site. And then the next one is, wow, selling your own products. I guess that falls under e-commerce, which we've discussed as thou should never go there, Simba. I'm not a fan, so say no more. Yeah. Uh, You can do, it's just more complex. Yeah. And so with a a premium content or a subscription site, that's basically just a content site, but people just pay for a subscription rather than serving them ads, right? Yep. So you're just selling information, info products. So we've done a lot of that over the years and we really like that model. I would suggest it's not the easiest model for a beginner. It's a much more advanced strategy. It's not as easy as it looks, that particular one, but it can be. Again, if you're a beginner and you're listening to this, seriously, the easiest way to get started is to just buy or build small little basic either advertising or affiliate websites. Selling content info products online, you've got to set up email funnels and landing pages. And if you've never done that sort of a thing or if you don't have someone helping you, it's a beautiful business model though. Why? Because you get recurring incomes day in, day out. You just watch the money come into the bank, particularly when you've got a good product and you've got it up and running. And once you've got it up and running, it can, it's not passive at all, but it's definitely semi-passive, but it's very automated recurring income. Yeah, leveraged, yeah. Yeah, it's very leveraged, but again, it's like the direct recite strategy. I wouldn't recommend it as a beginner, but I would recommend it goal-setting thing. Definitely something, you, you know, everyone loves to have a membership site somewhere in their portfolio they're golden yeah and so yeah, I they're the ones like, as cap and fire that typically sell for six and seven figures online yeah it's a big multiple we talk about the eat expertise experience authority and trust yep. score and i know google has been very vocal about that in recent out updates but i imagine you with that style of a site you might be really leveraging your eat score as a professional as a trusted source of information otherwise why would people pay for it yeah yeah absolutely definitely that's something you want to do if you're an expert in a particular area yeah we've bought membership sites so as well in areas that we know nothing about and ebook sites as well are similar ebook sites are a little bit simpler and so we love buying ebook sites they're not as popular now which is interesting but yeah the one that springs to mind matt we did the case study with the photography site Oh, the yeah. bloke who, I mean, what did he pay yep. five grand on Upwork for, yep. for a photographer to set up a bloody training course? To create the course. Yep. To create the course. Was, uh, yeah. He was a photographer himself as well, but he paid someone else to write the course. Yeah, he sold that site three years later for $10 million. 
<laughs> it's just like it's just it's unfathomable. Wild. Yeah, that is absolutely wild. Really interesting story. I mean, and, he worked um, hard. He obviously worked hard over the three. Very years. hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah that, not that, like that's not a passive walk to riches. I can tell yeah. you, that was active. But hey, I think anyone listening would be happy to be active if you get a ten million dollar payout at the end. Mind you, too, he was making money along the way as well. He made heaps of money, and that was just from selling a forty-five. I think it was a forty-nine dollar a month membership site on how to do wedding photos. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I always get a smile whenever I go over those case studies. Okay, so I guess going back to the basics then, for anyone who's looking to, to get into online businesses, overheads. So what does it actually cost to run them? You can build a site pretty much. The tools- For free. For free. You can most yeah, once you free. know what you're doing, yep. Yeah, or you can you can buy a starter one for $500,000. Yep. Once you've bought one, what are the costs to actually run it? You got to pay for hosting, that kind of stuff. Yeah, hosting's like seven bucks a month, so that's pretty <laughs> much nothing. Yeah, that the main cost that you'll have with the sort of websites we buy, and is why it's so simple, is just content costs, and that's about the change with ChatGPT. So, content costs are typically 30 to $50 an article. And you might post on a small site just to give you a real, this is not on a six or seven figure website. This is not on a site that's making you a couple hundred grand a year or anything. But when you're learning, you typically got little sites that you might post once or twice a month. So this is an investment, but it pays you back because good quality content is like money in the bank. It's an actual investment. So when you learn, you're never going to get it perfect the first time, as you found, Captain Five. Oh, yeah, my, my batch of 50 shoddy articles. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, that's why I said to you at the time, don't do 50 in one go because you don't know whether you're getting 50 bad articles or 50 good articles. It's a skill that you've got to learn and it's an outsourcing skill, which is a hugely valuable skill anyway in this day and age. And that's why I love this game and why I love teaching beginners this stuff because every single thing we do here is a massively valuable skill for your future anyway from getting content created to actually learning how to do due diligence on websites, learning how to renovate them and double their incomes and stuff. Man, that's just money in the bank for you down the track. So content is probably your main overhead or your main cost which to me is nothing compared to bricks and mortar businesses. We're always forking out for something in a bricks and mortar business. If you're small and you don't have much of a budget, you might be thinking 30 to 50 bucks on articles is expensive. To me, it's nothing. Like I said, just speak to an accountant or a lawyer and you're going to blow through a couple of grand pretty quick. And then, of course, when you want to scale it, it's about scaling that. And that's where you need to invest more money in more content. But presumably, the returns you're getting off the website at that point are funding all that. So these can become very quickly compounding machines. That's why I know it sounds unbelievable that people can turn simple small websites into six-figure incomes or into multi-million dollar assets within a relatively short amount of time. But the reason why is because realistically, the only bottleneck is content and if you're making money on the website as it grows it's like the ultimate warren buffett model is that it just compounds because you put more money in the content you make more money you use the profits from that to buy more content that makes it more money gets more traffic and it just gets easier and easier so you think even with your own site captain fi you now know 
you got the benefit of a few years doing this, right? You can see exactly what I am talking about. You're getting higher affiliate commissions. Every bit of content you put in ranks easier now because the site's an authority. So that's the cool thing. This is why this all compounds. So yes, at first, it seems harder and it seems a lot slower and seems to take a lot of time. Once you hit the tipping point though with websites, everything gets easier and easier and it's just a rinse and repeat process. The lighthouse moment. Yeah, the lighthouse. And you've hit that point and really well done. You've done all the hard yards, right? And it's fun. It's well, I shouldn't say hard yards. It's not that hard. It's really good fun when you learn this stuff. But there's a lot of long period there where it doesn't feel like you're getting ahead. But then all of a sudden, things just start to take off and you do hit that tipping point. So then when you start putting in your extra content, becomes even more worthwhile and more valuable because there's more people watching or reading it and then it just snowballs and you get more advertisers approaching you because your site's getting more traffic and it's ranking for more terms, more and more people are noticing you. So next thing you know, and you get higher commissions and you just get more eyeballs. But what we've learned online, the true secret to making money is the more eyeballs you have, the more money you'll make. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. So it was a slow, when I say slow process, it was a slower process for me at the beginning, naturally. And when I look back over my two passion sites, like the two sites which I run and I write for, which is Captain Fire and the Aviation So I don't cross-mention the niches just because of like privacy kind of stuff. My other sites, if you knew all of the sites, you could fairly easily piece together everything about me but I've written over 500 articles and that's not counting guest posts either like I've written hundreds of guests maybe between 50 and 100 guest posts for other sites as part of the backlink strategy so yeah nearly 600 articles written across my two main sites and then once they really started growing I got a couple of writers a couple of other professional pilots involved on my aviation site and I could see wow, now I am not the bottleneck on that site anymore. I can use the revenue, the advertising revenue to pay their costs. And it's still cash flow positive, even when I yeah. factor in the admin costs. And now the team of having, I have an editor now, which just speeds things up and a VA as well. And I know that chapter eight of the course, yeah. outsourcing, I've got that one bookmarked because even though the outsourcer won't be able to, I don't think the outsourcer works as quickly as me or as high level as me. Even if they're only doing 60% of what I'm doing, I've got two outsourcers that's still 20% more than my maximum output of 100%. So I've definitely seen that. And people ask, oh, what do I need to run these sites? I literally have a 15-year-old laptop that I was writing articles on. I'm currently interviewing you now on a 10 or 13-year-old PC that I built at university. And then the other time, I'm just using my iPhone. I mean, everyone's got a phone. Yeah. Um, Everyone's got internet at home. So really, if you're in the fire movement, you're being ultra frugal and you don't want to make these investments into content, I just wrote it all myself. Yeah. I wouldn't advise that because it definitely slowed me down. I think had I have listened to you in the first place and started automating content production probably would have made a bit more money earlier but it worked like the bootstrapping approach did work for me yeah and that's what we love about online businesses it is a lot easier to bootstrap than with bricks and mortar businesses or businesses that involve physical inventory yeah i definitely wouldn't be able to i don't know sew together 600 leather jackets or something to sell at a fashion store very difficult 
<laughs> yeah. Very um, okay. I guess I stole your thunder there in answering what do I need to run them? Because that was a question. No, what and, do and, I need and to I th- run them? That's right. You've answered that really well. Your experience is very typical. You just need typically a couple of content writers and probably an editor and maybe a techie and that's about it. And that will create you a six-figure income. So we've got lots yeah. of students. That's what. That's basically their team. That's their goal to get to that. So it's ideal for someone who's also looking to transition out of a job because you can start building up this team part-time in the evenings because you know they're all virtual. It doesn't matter what hours they work or whatever. So that's the other big advantage of running these sorts of businesses. And that's literally, I don't know, that's pretty much your team. And so as you expand your portfolio, you just get a few extra riders on board as you're finding. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I did, Matt, is um, learning as much as I could about it, slowly building their yep. sites and doing it on weekends and evenings. And I think there was some cheeky writing sessions involving my phone and the iPad in, in flight in the cruise segment. Yeah. We could write content for the aviation site whilst flying. So a bit of inception. But yeah, it was a fairly basic process. And I think I did spend a bit of time on it because I was writing a lot of the content. Yeah. But in terms of answering how passive are they, I think now if I omit obviously captainfire.com and the, the aviation site, which are my passion that I really love writing for. If I look at just the other sites, I really don't spend any time at all. The writers, so I have a VA that produces a site. I mean, once a year, I sit down for my SEO week, strap into the chair, and that's a lot of fun going through all the keywords and coming up with a content plan. Once I hand that content plan to the manager, the content manager, she's then working with the VAs and the writers Writer's brief gets made, they get handed to the writer, produces the content, gets accepted, writer gets paid, VA puts the content onto the site, gets published. Like I really am not in that loop at all. And then all I'm doing is collecting revenue from either Mediavine or AdSense or Amazon affiliates. That's all automated. You don't have to invoice. That just automatically appears in the bank, which is nice. And then, yeah, so I reckon the time that I'm writing, which I don't need to be doing, or podcasting, which obviously I just love to do this, I reckon I'm spending an afternoon a month, if that, on just basic invoicing. And yeah, it's pretty passive. It doesn't really take much time at all. Perfect business model, isn't it? Yeah. I would not do that with a traditional business. Or people don't believe it, that it can be that easy. Now, you've done the work that you've built it up and you've got the results. There's obviously for you and for everyone else that's brand new to this, there is a steep learning curve to go through this. And that's obviously what we teach with eBusiness Institute and that's what we love doing. That's why we're here. That's what Liz and I do. We teach people how to learn those skills that you've now got that are skills for life for you. But once you dial that in, it's not totally passive though. There's still work to be done, but it's the fun stuff. Like you said, Captain Fire, keyword research or directing your team and just figuring out what's the good content that's got to go on this website. That's probably where most of your work would come into it. Yeah, I used to be very intimidated doing business negotiations. It was something that I really got a lot out of with the mentoring is that now that's actually something that I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying going to different affiliates or trying to upgrade to higher CPMs with advertising contracts and trying to justify how I can value add. And yeah, it is fun. It's a lot easier when you don't need the money. (laughs) Because at the start, I was like, oh, if I could just get to $1,000 a month and I was so nervous and desperate. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. But once you start getting those runs on the board, it almost just becomes like fun. It's like a hobby. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So 
Back on track now. So risks. So often get asked, what are the downsides and what are the risks? And I guess the risk is it doesn't do anything right. But from your perspective, what do you see mistakes that students make? Or have, not, yeah. not learning how to do proper due diligence and trying to take too many shortcuts. It, as I just said, this is a learning process. There is a lot to learn if you've never made money online before, which is 90% of the population. And I think the biggest risks there are is not educating yourself and understanding what the hell you're getting into. It'd be really stupid, I'm going to be blunt about it, to go out there and just blindly buy a website. That'd be a really dumb thing to do. You've got to learn. So learn small. Start out small. Don't be too impatient because you hear all these amazing results. If anyone hangs around with us and they see our students' results and everything, it looks amazing. And people understandably want those same results very quickly and that's where they make the mistake because they get greedy, they think they can short-circuit the system and the learning system and they'll just go out there and buy some site without doing proper due diligence. And I think that's probably the number one mistake we see people make. And I think also trying to go too big too quickly. Yeah, you that's, found that's, yeah. There's a bit of a lot yeah. to this. It's give yourself the gift of time. It's you got to think about this. You, if you're serious about this, you are learning a skill that can potentially replace your income or make you six to seven figures semi-passively. Stop and think that through for a minute. You ain't going to get that overnight, okay? That takes some effort there. It's like going to uni. You've got to learn. We're talking earning the same sort of money as a doctor. You're not going to learn that in just one week. And I think that's where the most mistakes come from. People get greedy and try and go too fast, too quickly. Like anything in life, everyone wants short shortcuts. It's the same probably you would see at Captain Fine share investing and stuff. I'm guessing that's where people probably make most of their mistakes as well. And that's totally understandable. But if you're listening to this, I would commit yourself to the long-term vision on this thing because this is seriously a game changer for you long term. And I love the Tony Robbins saying, well, it actually came from Jim Rowan originally, but most people vastly overestimate what they can achieve in one year, but vastly underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. And that's what we've certainly seen over the last decade or so that we've been coaching people through this. It is so true. So that's probably my, I know that sounds very ephemeral or guru-ish, what I just said, but that's my observations. That's probably the number one mistake that I see people make. No, 100%. Yeah, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And yeah, we see it all the time with shares, like people saying, oh, this sector's going to go, buy now, pay later, it's going to be amazing tech, oh, buy this penny stock, buy this cryptocurrency. And I think at the moment, we're definitely seeing the chickens come home to roost in some of those riskier investment classes. Maybe people, they didn't have their investment tolerance aligned to their personal risk tolerance and yeah it causes a bit of pain so yes anything worth doing is worth doing slowly and steadily building skills i think out of all this is super important obviously i'm biased but literally and this is the slogan of our company i see these as digital skills for future proof income so invest the time to get the knowledge and your biggest risk in this day and age when you think about it your biggest risk in this day and age no matter what you do But particularly when you're using something where you're making money online, I think the biggest risk is knowledge risk or lack of knowledge. I think that's particularly relevant to your audience as well because you're in the fire movement. A lot of your members are into investing in shares and real estate and you're looking for ways to get financial independence. Obviously, to get to that point, 
What's the number one thing you need? It's knowledge. You yeah. need to invest in yourself. It's got to spark the fire. That's right. You've got to get motivated yeah. and you've got to understand how things work. Yeah. No, that's gold. Thanks for listening to part one of my Q&A session with Matt. Make sure you tune in for part two coming soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Captain Fire Financial Independence Podcast. To read the transcripts or check out the show notes, head over to www.captainfire.com for all the details. If you have a question for the captain, make sure to get in touch. You might even make it on the airwaves. You can reach me online through the Captain Fire contact form or get in touch through the socials. I'm active on Facebook and Instagram, as well as a number of online finance and investing forums. And finally, remember, the information presented on the show and the links provided are for general information purposes only. They should not be taken as constituting professional financial advice. You should always do your own research when making any financial decisions and make sure it's appropriate for your personal circumstance. 